If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, and you want to do your part. Today I'd like to mention one means of doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out Fide Email. That's F-I-D-E-I -E dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course Catholic. God bless. Francis issued a document a couple of days ago that, at the time of the production of this video, hasn't yet been translated into English officially. But I translated it myself, running it through the Deep L translator, for this story because the Catholic media is reporting on this revolutionary new document that Francis has issued. Revolutionary being the key term here because Francis explicitly uses a term that is obviously associated with some of the worst revolutionary movements in human history and applied it to the theology of the church. And it has the potential to have far-reaching consequences. Headline from Vatican News the official state media of the Vatican. Pope, theology must interpret the gospel for today's world. In a new modu proprio ad theologium provendum, Pope Francis updates the statutes of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, calling it to, quote, courageous cultural revolution and commitment to dialogue in the light of revelation. Cultural revolution is an interesting term to use since it generally connected with really negative historical events in various places under the sway of the hammer and sickle ideology. But here's the thing. It's actually a really accurate term for what he wants to do. It has been said that in the West, we've been undergoing one of these kinds of revolutions for the past several years, just in a softer form than in those countries, at least for the moment. Whether you agree with that or not, let me know in the comments. The Oxford, Dish the Oxford English Dictionary defines the term cultural revolution in the following way. Quote, a decade of chaos and political upheaval in Cardinal Zen's home country, which you're not allowed to criticize here, with its roots in fractional dispute over the future of that country's particular form of the hammer and sickle ideology, end quote. So yeah, odd choice of words indeed, and it's almost certainly intentional, given we know that the country in question has given the Vatican billions and billions of dollars in recent years. This is the latest form of uh, sucking up to the government that Francis's Vatican has done in recent months, that country's government with his latest papal document, Laudate Deum, also being far too nice and dishonest to that country on issues related to our common home, so-called. The Vatican News article gives us this summary of the document. Quote, A church that is synodal, missionary, and goes forth needs a theology that goes forth too. That's the thought behind Pope Francis's new motu proprio ad theologium promovendum, dated 1st of November 2023 which updates the statues, statutes of the Pontifical Academy of Theology. Established canonically by Clement XI on the 23rd of April, 1718, with the brief inscrutabali, the Academy aimed to, quote, place theology at the service of the Church and the world. It has evolved over the years into a group of scholars called to investigate and deepen theological themes of particular relevance. Now, for the Holy Father, it is time to revise the norms that regulate its activities, to make them, quote, more suited to the mission that our times impose on theology. Opening up to the world and to humanity, quote, with its problems, its wounds, its challenges, its potential, theological reflection must make room for, quote, an epistemological and methodological rethinking, and is therefore called to, quote, a courageous cultural revolution. What is needed is a, quote, fundamentally contextual theology, writes the Pope, capable of reading and interpreting the gospel in the conditions in which 
men and women live daily in different geographical, social, and cultural environments. End quote. If that sounds like an anything-goes form of moral and ethical relativism, well, that's because it is calling for just that. Father Dave Nix, a traditional priest behind the Padre Peregrino podcast and blog, defined the term contextual theology for us in plain language in this way on his personal Facebook. Quote, Today the Vatican releases a new document promoting, quote, contextual theology. What is contextual theology? It means anything goes, as long as you can justify the object in light of a situation, challenges, backgrounds, or circumstances, which means anything goes, end quote. This is Francis prepping the way for the Synod's final document, due late next year. Remember when Francis opened the door to blessing James Martin pairings, as long as the couple wasn't getting a blessing together, but each individual in it was, even if they were standing there together? He did so by saying the decision is up to the individual priests, not the bishops, to do so. That's the ultimate form of this. All doors now point to the James Martin sin being made acceptable in the ape of the church by Francis in the name of cultural context, decided by the priest, who more often than not will allow it to happen either because he agrees with whatever it, with what they want or because, at the very least, he can be pressured into it by the local culture and their voices in the media. Francis's document, Ad Theologium Promo Vendem, is a modu proprio. See, a modu proprio is an edict, meaning it's a sort of an act of law. It's a fiat, though not quite can like that of canon law. Think of it like a presidential executive order, except it can't be undone by a legislature because in the church, no such legislature exists or can exist since no power on earth is supposed to be able to check the power of a pope. In fact, it is worth remembering when talking about checking the power of a pope, we have been assured that the laity participating in the synod as voting members cannot be undone, even by a future pope, and that it would be impossible to go back to synods of bishops only involving bishops as participating members. Cardinals Supich and Nighty Knight Tobin have assured us of that in recent days, which is the point here. The synod wasn't about making the James Martin sin acceptable in the church. It wasn't about getting deaconettes or priestettes or even a popeette in the future. No, the synod was about decentralizing the defining of doctrine in the church and subjecting the definition of sin itself to this decentralization. Their final document pretty much says that. The synod's final document was very clear, in fact, about that, citing the ability of the laity to define what is sacred and holy and what is not using their own inborn sense of faith. That's a revolution in the church by itself, and this new document calling for a cultural revolution in the church is meant to foster that. It explicitly calls for placing the gospel in the light of local cultural context, which does not mean preaching the gospel in the local language, maybe using local cultural analogies and metaphors to get the message of the gospel across. No, because that would actually make sense. It actually means defining the gospel in light of local philosophy and social science. It puts the gospel itself into culturally relative terms. And one of the ways it does this is by putting the gospel and mission of the church into the clutches of the social sciences which are the most untrustworthy and least scientific of any self-described scientific field of study. I know this because I have a PhD in a social science. I am a political scientist by training. I don't trust those fields of study and their methodologies and guiding principles because I've seen them firsthand, gone through the process to get one of those useless pieces of paper in them. Here, Francis uses the language of cross-disciplinary study, which is the stuff of the social sciences themselves. We have to be careful here how we use terminology. You'll see why. Quote, 
This relational dimension connotes and defines from an epistemic point of view the status of theology, which is urged not to close itself in self-referentiality, which leads to isolation and insignificance, but to grasp itself as embedded in a web of relationships, first and foremost, with other disciplines and other knowledge. This is the approach of cross-disciplinarity, that is, interdisciplinarity in a strong sense, as, as distinct from multidisciplinarity, understood as interdisciplinarity in a weak sense. The latter certainly promotes a better understanding of the object of study by considering it from multiple points of view which, nevertheless, remain complementary and separate. Instead, this form of disciplinarity should be thought of as the placement and fermentation of all knowledge within the space of light and life offered by the wisdom that emanates from God's revelation. Hence, the arduous task for theology to be able to make use of new categories elaborated by other knowledges in order to penetrate and communicate the truths of faith and transmit the teaching of Jesus in today's language with originality and critical awareness, end quote. Francis actually uses this word that's on your screen now. Any word in English that uses that prefix gets flagged by our host. It just does. Just ask anyone running an automotive mechanics channel right now on YouTube about that. If you don't believe me, I have seen them complaining about it. Anyway, the social sciences are one of the ways we've seen this cultural revolution undermine the social order in the West for the past few decades. And now we see Francis explicitly calling for theology to combine with these other fields. He may not say social sciences explicitly, but let's be honest with ourselves, he ain't talking about biologists, okay? He's not calling for the church's theologians to get together with botanists or physicists with the goal of preaching the gospel using the contributions of those scientific fields, however they might apply. He wants theologians to take the lessons of political science, sociology, criminal justice, anthropology, economics, and apply them to the gospel. Think about the implications of that in light of the present state of colleges, universities, academia more broadly. A few days ago, I brought you commentary from Bishop Eleganti, a Swiss bishop who let us know about some of the real aims of the synod of sin. He has something to say about all of this that's worth turning to here as we get as we close this out. From Bishop Eleganti's commentary on the closing of the 2023 phase of the synod of sin, quote, The fear of many believers is that the teaching of the church will be changed and that the apostolic tradition will be abandoned, is also mentioned by its name. In fact, you can already see how well-founded the fear is and how it could come true. In any case, the egalitarian right of co-determination for the laity at a synod of bishops is the first step towards this and is by no means harmless. It is not surprising that Cardinal Schonborn has no problems with this synod of bishops with only expanded participation, but it remains insubstantial and opportunistic. The synod skeptics further fear, mentioned by the editors, that majority decisions will change the ecclesiastical and spiritual character of the leadership of the church by the bishops and priests and question its hierarchical structure, could turn out to be a self-fulfilling prophecy of the synod activists. The usual framing, which causes fear of losing power among those who have concerns, is vulgar psychology on the part of the synodal editors and not theology, like on the former side. Because for them it is about the sacramentality of the church office, which was founded by Christ himself, not about power and control of power, nor about fears of losing it. 
with a lot of effort, a new form of the church is being propagated through the paradigm of the new synodality, even decreed, as if the church needed a general overhaul that freed it from its previous sinfulness and completely renovated as a common house reconciled with the world. All those who have now until until now felt excluded and hurt by their teaching and morals should also live comfortably in it. This restructuring also includes terms such as sinners, heretics, schismatics, uh, those who engage in the James Martin sin and related sins, which according to the new prefect of the faith should no longer be used because they only hurt. Who knows the saying, truth hurts? Only the perpetrators of great evil continue to be named. The new synodality sees itself as a kind of healing process for those excluded and not previously included because the old church named horse and rider loved the sin and condemned sin clearly and unequivocally. The same applies to error. So you think you can regain new trust and restore credibility and illusion. End quote. And the mechanism for all of that is the decentralization of the governance of the church. And this new document is meant to help accomplish that by placing the theologians of the church at the disposal of local secular experts in various materialistic fields of study that are at best dubious and at worst the propaganda arm for the Antichrist and the entire mechanism he's creating. Don't be surprised by any of this, honestly. I expect to see more of it as we lead up to the final phase of the Synod of Sin in October 2024, which is playing out to look more and more like at least having the effect of a Vatican III. What do you think about all this? Does it surprise you at all? I'm not surprised in the slightest, other than that this document was released so quickly after the closing of the Synod, which does provide more evidence that the outcome of the Synod of Sin was predetermined from the start. As Bishop Elegante says, the really thing that matters is who writes that document that comes out at the end. By the way, motu proprios take a lot of time to write, and this one only came out two days after the Synod was closed. That should be food for thought. Let me know your thoughts on all of this in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.